Shabbat Shalom. I've been waiting 40 years for this. And I think anybody who's at least 40 could say the same thing. Moses led the children through the Red Sea and the wilderness. Yet Moses was not going to be the one to lead them to the promised land. He would see it from Mount Nebo, from afar, a taste of that which might have been for him, but his foot would not step onto the land. He got them to third base, but now a pinch hitter was going to come in and bring them home. It hardly seems fair for such a minor infraction to be dealt out such a big judgment. There are many explanations as to why Moses would not be going into the promised land and uh, what it meant that he struck the rock twice in anger. All the great Jewish commentators have something to say about it. Rashi, Rambam, Ramban, Joseph Albo, Ibn Ezra, Abrabanel, and the late Rav Elazar Shach. With the most popular ones being that he struck the rock in anger rather than spoke to it, and that he took the glory for the water gushing from the rock rather than giving it to God. I would be presumptuous to think that I could add something to these great Jewish learned commentators, compilers, exegetes par extraordinaire, but I will. <laughs> add my midrash to the litany of opinions, sort of the rest of the story. Moses suffered his brethren's complaints every time they bemoaned their situation, starting at the Red Sea, and then about the elements in the wilderness, the lack of food and water, their distaste for the manna was, uh, that God provided, their dissatisfaction of a, a vegan diet for a season. They had to be punished for their cumulative sin of unbelief, and Moses, the representative Israelite, was the scapegoat. In a sense, he suffered for their sins, and he did not enter into the land so that they could. Psalm 106, 32 through 33 says, the Israelites, quote, provoked wrath at the waters of Meribah, and Moses suffered on their account because they rebelled against him and he spoke rashly. So God's anger was not just against the people, but by the principle of vicarious guilt against Moses also, Allah, according to the psalmist, quote, Moses suffered on their account. Moses was Israel in the wilderness. In a sense, the one-man Israel so closely aligned with Israel that their sins were his sins. God was angry with Moses because God was angry with the children of Israel who provoked Moses to speak rashly. I can hear Moses crying out to God when learning that he would not enter the land saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was cut off from the land of the living, from the promised land which he would never enter. Now Yeshua was a type of Moses. He suffered for our sins. He went to the mountaintop there at Golgotha, 
the place of the skull outside the walls of Jerusalem, dragging his rod as an albatross on his back, interceded by sinners. This sinless one cried out, dying from his wooden grave with sinners on his left side and his right side, one railing, one railing in unbelief, casting aspersions upon his only hope, and one who saw herself in the reflection of Yeshua hanging on that wooden stake and recognized him as the son of the living God, our only hope for salvation. In some mystical way, we, like Moses, who, like Yeshua, are called to lay down our lives for our brethren here at Beth Messiah and to the Jewish community at large. Such is the first 40 years of Beth Messiah spent in the wilderness of learning and growing and maturing through the sufferings of this current world and the joys of living and struggling together in community. This is not a soliloquy, a soliloquy, a one-person act, but a shared venture where we are all laboring together in the vineyard where God has placed us. The first generation of congregational leaders will pass, and they will be remembered with larger-than-life stories exaggerated in the way that legends grow bigger than the truth. Elliot Clayman was the first congregational leader of Beth Messiah, and the congregation met in his living room for a season. True. This will morph into Elliot Clayman was the first Messianic Jew and started the Messianic Jewish movement, <laughs> which he ran from his living room. So Michael Rydelnik, when he came to Beth Messiah, moved the library from one space to another, and that was a big deal. That story will be embellished and conflated that Michael moved the building one day off its foundation, <laughs> and that the vein in his forehead could be prominently seen when he got mad and so, when someone referred to him as Rydelnik, rather than Mr. Rydelnik or Michael. Michael Schiffman started the Messianic Rabbis of Ohio group, and that will be amplified to Michael was the first Messianic Jewish rabbi, and he reintroduced the practice of smicha, ordination. Howard Silverman was the educator leader. He started Messianic Studies Institute and taught bar bat mitzvah lessons from a tree, <laughs> which is true. And that will be remembered as Howard having chopped down a tree while students were in it to drive home a point. <laughs> but unlike George Washington, he refuses to admit it even to this very day. <laughs> but above all, I challenge Beth Messiah Congregation to bestow the blessings that you have received upon others. Let us help other congregations who do not have a building secure a building. Let us get even more involved people-wise by offering up your talents, much of which have been honed here in the wilderness at Beth Messiah. Let us be in solidarity with the Jewish community here in Columbus and get involved through joining, giving, serving 
Let this next generation be known as the generation of helping those get what we have materially and spiritually. And then like Moses, we can ascend Mount Nebo and see the fruits of our service and knowing our godly raison d'etre, the reason why we exist. Shabbat Shalom.